if you've got a Bible in front of you, if you could please just now, I invite you to, to turn with me to Ezra chapter 2. Ezra chapter 2. <laughs> so I read uh, this week of a minister. This was years ago. And he, was, he came to Ezra chapter 2. And he was really struggling in his uh, preparation for preaching on it. And the minister, he went to his bookshelf and he got out his biggest and his grandest commentary. And his commentary had lots to say about everything. And he turned to what the commentary would say about Ezra chapter 2. And he was devastated to find that it had one phrase. And that was all. One phrase to say about Ezra chapter 2. And that's bad enough. But the minister recalls that the phrase was, Ezra chapter 2 is one of the most difficult chapters in the Bible. Full stop. And that was it. So I think the minister wasn't too pleased uh, by these uh, inspiring words of wisdom. But it seems kind of true, doesn't it? it? It seems like it's obscure. It seems like it's just, it's, it's almost weird. It, the chapter seems like just a list of names. It seems like it's almost worth skipping on to Ezra chapter 3. But let's not. And tonight, let's ask the question, is Ezra chapter 2 just a list of names? Okay, is it just a list of names? So, um, before we get our teeth into these names and and the list here, um, let's briefly set out some of the background. Because I know that, that some of you weren't here this morning where we set out the background. And even if you were, um, I think it's good for us to, to get these things really straight in our heads. And um, I think the title that the NIV gives to the section is really quite useful, isn't it? Because the NIV calls it the list of the exiles who returned. And that helps us because we saw this morning that um, the background to this, the background to Ezra, is of the Babylonian Empire, this huge empire, the Babylonian Empire, being defeated by King Cyrus and his Persian army. And I won't test you to find out if you can remember what year that happened, but um, I'm pretty sure it's 539 BC that Cyrus defeated the Babylonians. And we saw this morning in Ezra chapter 1 that under the new rule of Cyrus, that one of the first things that he did was decree that the people of God could return from exile in Babylon. They could return home to Judah. So that's, as we said this morning, that is a huge thing for the people of God. They are free. They can go home to Judah. But we also saw that some of those people didn't do that. Some stayed behind in exile. Um, so that's a whirlwind tour of uh, the, 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 an overview of the history here. But then we get to chapter 2. We get to this list of names. And this is where we're going to be camping out tonight. Okay, This is what we will be examining in a bit more detail. And here we find a list of names. A list of those who did come back 
a list of those who made that journey from Babylon to Judah. So is it just a list of names, or is there more to it than that? Well, what day is it today, folks? It is the 11th of November. It is Remembrance Day, is it not? So how do you think the families of the loved ones of, of those who had uh, the families of those who had lost people at war. How do you think they would feel up and down the country if these war memorials that we see in our TV, if they just had a number written on them? They would be devastated, wouldn't they? If the names of the people who were lost, if they were taken off and replaced by just a number. You see, to the loved ones, the names are essential. It is important to remember the names. And that takes us into the, point, uh, the first point this evening, point one, and that is that God cares about our identity. Okay, that's point one tonight. God cares about our identity. You see, surely the first thing that you, you, you noticed as I read through that chapter, surely you noticed the absolute precision of it all, didn't you? It is just so incredibly detailed. You see, the people of God that came back, they're not just lumped together by God. They are accurately, they are meticulously recorded. Now, we might especially if we are reading it out in church, we might want chapter 2 just to say, and 49,000 people returned, and then you go on to chapter 3. But in the providence of God, and in the wisdom of God, he has preserved these names. He has preserved these people's identity. Look at verse 66. Turn over to verse 66, if you will. You see, such is the detail that God has even preserved the number of animals that came back into Judah. But friends, why does God do that? Why such precision and detail? Well, it is because identity is important for God. He cares for people. He cares for individuals. Now, they might, be, they might be grouped according to family name, and they are. And they might be grouped according to where they're from, their, their birthplace, and some of them are. But what is abundantly clear is that none of them are forgotten by God. Not one person, not one person is forgotten by God. And friends, we live in London don't we? This is one of the grandest and it is one of the, the best and, and, and largest cities on the planet. But I'm pretty sure that sometimes we can, feel, uh, we can feel lost here, such as the scale of the place, you know, such as the, this ridiculously vast population. But sometimes that we can feel insignificant, we can feel lost, we can feel that we don't really matter. But we look at this 
list of names, this obscure book in Ezra. And we're taught that people matter to God. People matter to God. Identity matters. Your identity matters. The details of your life and the lives of your families, they are recorded and they matter to the almighty, sovereign, creator of the universe. And we see that even more clearly at the end of verse 2. So if you've got your your, your Bibles open, we we see that. The end of verse 2. Because uh, just before this long, 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 long list of names begins, the list is given a title, isn't it? Can you see what that title is? The title is The List of the Men of the People of Israel. That last bit's important. They are called the People of Israel. Now, Elsewhere in the, the Old Testament, if you hear that expression, the, the, the people of Israel, most of the time that refers to those who are ethnically related to Abraham. But remember that this is only some of those people, isn't it? Some are still in captivity. This is only some of those who are, are related to Abraham. It's only the list of those who have returned from captivity. Yet it doesn't say some of the people of Israel. It says the people of Israel. So you see, those returning, they are identified by Scripture. They are identified by God as the true embodiment of his people, as the true heirs of the covenant. God acknowledges the identity of those who trust in him. And that has really quite a somber application for those today who view themselves as culturally Christians. It has a really, really somber and dark implication for nominal Christianity, those who are not saved by Jesus, because you see, those who stayed behind in Babylon, their names aren't here. Their names are not recorded. Those who stayed behind, their names are lost. And their names are lost forever. Their identity is not preserved by God. It's not viewed as being special by God. So friend, you may attend church, okay? And you may have attended church all your life. But unless you are in Jesus Christ, unless you have repented and believed, then your identity will be lost. You will not be remembered. God cares about our identity. God cares about our identity. Now, years ago, years ago, I uh, worked with a chap, interesting bloke, and uh, he was 
Um, he was an aspiring life coach. An aspiring life coach. And uh, I used to talk to him about this. And I, I always want, wanted to know, why do you want to be, why does anybody want to be a life coach? And he, he responded to me that he wanted to do that because he wanted to help people to find themselves. And I was, of course, tempted to quote Oscar Wilde back at him and say that only shallow people find themselves. But I, I resisted that temptation and we talked about this at length. But it's true, isn't it, folks, that today... In the 21st century, in the modern world, and I think especially in the aftermath of this great financial meltdown, this financial collapse, people are asking questions. They're asking questions about identity. They've seen the kind of fleeting, transient nature of wealth and money. They've seen the futility of spending all their energy searching for more and more material gain. And now they're asking questions. They're asking about identity, purpose, and meaning. And as we look at a second point tonight, hopefully we will see, as Christians, we will learn about our identity and who we are supposed to be and our purpose as Christians. So, second point this evening, God cares about our service. God cares about our service. We've seen that God cares about our identity. Now, God cares about our service. I don't don't know if you, you picked up on this as we read through it, but the list of returnees are divided. They're divided by family name. It sometimes says the descendants of Elam, doesn't it? They're also divided by where they're from. It says the men of Bethlehem. It says the men of Jericho. But as we look through the list, and do it just now, look through the list, you see crucially that they are also divided by their temple function. They're divided by their temple function. We've got What do we have? We've got priests, we've got Levites, we've got singers, we've got gatekeepers, we've got temple servants, and so on. And so, as we saw this morning, these are people who have got this new chapter in their lives, don't they? They've got this fresh beginning, this this new hope, this new beginning, and they prioritize the service of God. They view themselves not just as sons of Elam. They view themselves not as, ah, I'm from Bethlehem. But they view themselves as, whatever it is, gatekeepers in the temple or as singers in the temple or as priests. And surely that has to be challenging for us tonight, doesn't it? They've got this new beginning And they examine their priorities and they prioritize service. And I'm sure you'd agree that for for us today, for all of us at LCPC, this is the next chapter, I suppose, in the 
in the, the life of this congregation. And surely this should be a time where we could and should prioritize what is important in our lives. We have to prioritize our involvement in congregational life and prioritize the service of God. Are we being useful in the service of God? And let me ask you, how, how, how do you view yourself? How do you view yourself? Do you view yourself first and foremost as what you do? So do you see yourself as a student? Do you see yourself as a doctor or as a, a teacher or as a nurse? Is that primarily how you see yourself? Or do you see yourself first and foremost as a servant, as a slave, as a servant of God? Are you involved in the life of the church? Is that who you are? Are you a Sunday school teacher? Are you a steward? Are you witnessing? Are you practicing hospitality? Well, if not, look at this chapter and pay heed to the fact that these, these people coming back, these exiles, they were divided. They were grouped by temple function. And consider prayerfully how you might be used in the service of God. And one last thing on this. Luke, they include, amongst all these different functions, they include temple servants. Okay, you see that in verse 43. Temple servants. Now, these were the people who did the most menial tasks. These are the people that did the lowly tasks in the, in, in the temple. The tasks that nobody else wanted to do. So do you sometimes feel undervalued in the life of the church? Are you involved in the stuff behind the scenes? Are you involved in the unglamorous work in the life of the congregation? Well, if that is you, then take heart from this, because other people might not notice. But God, in a detailed way, has recorded the names of the temple servants. God knows those who are involved in the background and unglamorous work in the life of the congregation. So God cares about identity, folks, and God cares about our service. Now, tonight we've talked quite a lot about meaning, and we've talked a lot about identity. And I was looking into this uh, this week, and I found this guy. He's brilliant. His name is Brian Johnston, uh, not the, the cricket commentator. A different Brian Johnston. He was, um, well, he's, he's big online. He's got a huge website. And as a job, he is a professional, inspirational speaker. Um, I'm not recommending his work, but uh, this is who he is. And he's written about how people can find meaning in your life if you pay attention to five rules. Uh, five rules for life. And I'm not going to go through them. Um, I'll give you two. Uh, one, the first one is make yourself a brand. Make yourself 
a brand. And you would do this by considering what sort of people you want to be associated with. So that's number one. Number five is even better. Number five, if you want meaning in your life, buy a dog. So this is uh, Brian Johnson's advice for finding meaning. But on a serious point, ask Christians, what is our rule for life? What is the most important rule that we should live by? Well, Jesus was asked that very question, wasn't he? A teacher of the law comes to him and says, teacher, what is the most important rule? What is the most important commandment? And what did Jesus, what did our Lord say? What is the most important rule? He says the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. What's the most important rule for us? Love. God, love the Lord your God. And that takes us into the third point, because we see at the end of the chapter, um, we see point three, that God cares about our devotion. Do we all have that? The third point, God cares about our devotion. Now, if we look at the conclusion in the chapter, just the last couple of paragraphs, we see that these people who have come back, they're not just serving God, but that they were also devoted to him too. There is genuine uh, love here. They love God. This is not a community of faith that has just got this dry sense of responsibility. It's not just duty. It's love. And it's devotion to God. And we see that in two ways, okay? Two ways we see their devotion. First one, the middle of verse 68. The middle of verse 68. It says, Some of the heads of the families gave free will offerings toward the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. So the people of Judah, the people of God, they come back, they're freed, they come back from exile. And what do they do? They give. They give generously and they give sacrificially to the work of the Lord. They gave free will offerings. Now that doesn't sound remarkable, does it? But just think about the situation that they're in. So they've been in exile for about 70 years. They have been slaves for 70 years. Then they've packed up all their stuff and they have traveled a horrible, arduous journey of about a thousand miles. And then they get to Jerusalem. Eventually they get there. And the very first thing that they do the first thing that they do is give to God. Look, it says, after the journey, after this arduous journey, when 
they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the heads of the families gave free will offerings. You see, they didn't give just out of compulsion. They didn't give just because they had to give. They gave because they loved their God. He had made them free. And so they gave. They gave out of devotion. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing, the last thing tonight, the second sign of their devotion is that the people prioritized the house of God over their own homes. They prioritized God's house over their own homes. So verse 70 says, I'll just read it, verse 70. The priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants, they settled in their own towns. That's verse 70. That comes after what we've just seen. So it was only after the temple had been organized that they turned their attention to their own situation and their own homes. That's startling, isn't it? Come on, folks, that that is absolutely amazing. Now, remember, they had, to all intents and purposes, they had nothing. These are a group of people that didn't have jobs. These are a group of people that didn't have a home to go to. And yet, what did they do before they turned their attention to that? They organized the temple. Such is their devotion to God. They were devoted to God. So I don't know, friends, what situation you are in tonight. I, I, I don't know that. And just say, if you have pressing problems in your life, if you really do have insecurity, that is important. It is. But it falls behind your relationship with God. It is not as important as how you are with him. You see, whatever these things are, whether it is family problems or or what do they have, lack of money and, and homelessness, they must fall in behind the worship of the one true and living God. The exiles, they gave up everything. Such was their love for their God because of the fact that he had set them free. They loved God. God cares about our devotion. And so this evening, again, we've talked a lot about identity. So I'm just going to end by asking you, do you have your identity? Is it found in Jesus Christ? You see, we learn about halfway through this chapter, we learn of the people worrying They are frantic. Why are they frantic? Well, some of the priests, they couldn't find their family records. They couldn't couldn't prove their, their lineage. And as a result of that, they were regarded by the community as unclean. They couldn't fulfill their function as priests. They couldn't fulfill the role as mediator between man and God. Well... Praise God, we no longer need such earthly mediation. We have a great high priest, a great high priest. And he is a priest with a pure and a heavenly lineage, a priest who has entered 
by his own spilt blood into the most holy place. And it's in him we find our meaning. Friends, it is in him that we find our identity. And if you are in him, then be greatly encouraged. Because one day, guess what's going to happen? It might be a long time from now. It might not. But one day, a list of names is going to be read out. And if you have repented and believed in Jesus Christ, then your name is on that list. What reason to rejoice and praise our God. So, is Ezra chapter 2 just a list of names? No, God cares about us. He cares about our identity. God cares about our service. And God cares most deeply about our devotion to him. Let's pray.